0: What's going on? Welcome to Canella and Bell on this Monday. Danny and Raja with you here. We're going to recap a ton. NFL was in full force. College yeah. football was supposed to be kind of a sleepy weekend. We had some really exciting finishes. We'll break those down and might even have some time to do a little film study on WNBA playoffs. Let's so break that down later or in heard. the show. Uh, we'll see if we get to that. But as much as you hate to lead with bad news, mm. I do think what happened in the NFL yesterday is the biggest story of the weekend. And Mondays are always tough to do as a show like ours when we're going to hit all sports, we're going to hit all the major topics because you never know how much time you're going to get to hit each one or what's the biggest story. But when you're talking about two future Hall of Fame quarterbacks who are getting up there in age, every year you start to wonder, is this it? And that's without even injury. That's like, do you just see the play start to taper off or they just kind of hit that wall and then it just, all of a sudden it's done. And we have two cases where it may not be that they hit that wall, but football is a violent game. And sometimes it tells you when it's time to go. And I'm not saying that's the case yet, but man, it's going to be tough if these injuries are as bad as their look, at least from the initial report. So Drew Brees, the Saints, they're going on the road to the Rams. They're playing in the game. He ha- He... Is going to make a throw. Aaron Donald is coming to try to pressure him. And initially when I saw it and I saw him grab his hand, I thought he hit his helmet, but he right. actually didn't his helmet. He hit his hand as he was outstretched. Aaron Donald was trying to bat down a pass, goes down instantly in pain. And I did. So it happens a lot. Like I actually, this finger right here, I can tell how crooked it is. Yep. Like my right ring finger. I hit a helmet on that happens all the time. Even in practice, sometimes it helps. just guys are running underneath you but the initial reaction i thought was he must have you know broken a little finger you know had some sort of bone issue there but i think it's actually worse what he's going to be dealing with because if it actually is ligament damage you could be looking at not only a game or two but significant time doesn't require surgery to yeah. repair um and it's it's his right throwing hand so a, a, a quarterback who makes his living being as accurate as he does he went, when he is finished Drew Brees will be the most accurate passer in the history of the NFL, completion percentage wise. Yeah. When you make your living being that type of passer, this could be devastating for Drew Brees.
1: Yeah, that's that, thumbs are tough, man. Like, uh, you know, especially when you have to hold the ball. Like, I had thumbs; my thumbs are ruined. Like, I could take it all the way back. Like, yeah, so oh I've had gosh. like torn ligaments and stuff in my thumbs. You're
0: telling me Drew Brees will be able to do that yeah, for the rest? Of his unless life. he has,
1: unless he has the surgery, right? right? And so if he has it, like mine, where I don't have the surgery and I just keep playing basketball through it, he can't do his job. I, I didn't require me like gripping a ball. I just had to, you know, play D early in my career and stuff like that. It would be really problematic to have to throw a ball for a living with that. But if he has a surgery, um, I, I don't know, maybe six weeks generally to, to repair, you know, just purely thumb ligaments. If you wind up with scaphole lunate ligaments, like in your wrist, you're talking about months and months. So I can make a case where New Orleans stays afloat with either Teddy Bridgewater or, or what is it, Taysom Hill? It'll
0: be Teddy Bridgewater. I mean, Taysom Hill is not really an NFL quarterback. He's a you know hybrid type wildcat guy, and he could maybe they do some sort of maybe they utilize him more, right? But Teddy Bridgewater, this is his opportunity.
1: But right, you know? no, Teddy. Yeah. I mean, you know, look, that's always next man up. Like one guy's you know uh, heartbreak is another guy's you know uh, opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in the division, y- you've got uh, Carolina's zero and two. The Falcons are one and one. No one, no one's running away with that right now. True. So you could theoretically like. Have Drew Brees miss six weeks, best case scenario, four weeks, best case scenario, come back, and still, you know, win a championship in your mind as a team. I think the Steelers is really interesting though, yeah, because you know, and you got the Ravens there two and zero, you got the Patriots there two and zero. That team has not looked nearly the same since they got rid of Le'Veon Bell and and Antonio Brown. Whether that was addition by subtraction or not, you don't just let talent walk out. The talent wins games, right? And so they're not nearly the same team. You know, you got Mason Rudolph, who did not look bad in the very small sample size, but you invested a third-round pick in that. Your window is passed if you're the Steelers. So the decision is different for me. This is a, a New Orleans team where I can make the case if I'm that front office, like, look, we need to stay committed there. You know, he'll be back. We still have a window of opportunity. I don't see it being the same animal in Pittsburgh, quite frankly. And I'm not saying Ben's not still really viable. I know what his numbers were last year. But as a franchise, you're in a lot different, uh, territory or you're in a different spot than you were, you know, just a year ago.
0: So, the, of course, the injury you're talking about was the other big injury news was Big Ben, who this was weird to me too, because there was no contact. Yep. He's going to throw the football. And to me, my first thought was, man, this looks like a baseball pitcher who just done. threw a night. Nine- yeah. And I was like, uh oh, this is serious. The way he grabbed it. Now, I was watching the game with my dad and he said the one good news about this possibly mm-hmm. not that it says it's for certain, but he said the fact that he was grabbing the outside of his elbow, yeah. as opposed to where your ulnar collateral is on the inside. Now this could be a, you know, super over evaluation where he's just grabbing his arm. Maybe he could, you know, he, yes. maybe he's just he grabbing spot. his general area of his elbow. But that was my dad's kind of initial take was maybe it's not his ulnar collateral nerve because he was where he was grabbing was the outside. Maybe it's more tendonitis issues, but, and then there's also reports that there was, you know, Possibly issues in practice. He was complaining about it during practice, but I do think you are exactly right. I thought, I thought Mike Tomlin. Now, Mike Tomlin and Ben Rossberger, I thought were kind of sleeping giants. Like, I thought they were going to, Hey, no more distractions. No more Le'Veon Bell. No A- Antonio Brown circus. Hey, it's our team now. Let's make the most of it. Big Ben's having his receivers come down again to Lake Cocone and practice at his lake right. house. Like, I thought this team was going to be super focused. If it goes the other
1: way. It could be. They just could, ain't good enough.
0: Right. They could be. They're not right. good enough. But it also, I think you're onto something. I think this could be the end of the Mike Tomlin Big Ben era. Yeah. And if there was ever a time to make a change, it would be when your Hall of Fame quarterback, all of a sudden he loses it mm-hmm. because of an injury. Mm-hmm. And Mike Tomlin, it just, he's had a nice run, but I think you've seen his style of coaching lose some of his, his effectiveness mm-hmm. in that locker room. And if you're going to make a change, all of it, just why not total upheaval and try to find that next coach because the Steelers are an organization which they haven't known a lot of turnover, right? They've only had 3 coaches in the last 35 years. Right. They don't want to start cycling through coaches. If you want a fresh start, you can go start to find your quarterback, get your new coach in there and start to do it. I think that is becoming more of a likely scenario for the Steelers. Yeah, which this is
1: crazy. This is when you are in your check as a as a general manager um You know, as a president of football operations and and even, you know, as as an owner, it's what you're put to the test because the Steelers are kind of a gold standard in terms of, you know, the way organizationally things are run. Very, very loyal to your point. Very little turnover. And when you're talking about a, a Hall of Fame face of the franchise, like decade and a half quarterback. um and and the play hasn't declined like that. Like it's not like his, his numbers. I combed through them. Like all completion percentage still right up there. Led the league in, in interceptions, but led the league in passing yards. Like it's not like his play has declined. And he has this injury, but your team isn't in the window anymore right. of where that's meaning something to you. And you've got a young one in waiting. This is where you get paid the big bucks to make the tough decisions. You know what I mean? And it's gonna be and it's a really tough decision. Really you got tough. A
0: Super Bowl winning yeah. coach, but it's kind of just it's come off his tracks, right? And especially with the Le'Veon and with Antonio. I mean, don't forget the Ryan Chazier injury. Like, you just had a lot of stuff that you've had to deal with, and they were so close, and they had the home game, and they got beat at home by the Jacksonville Jaguars because they were overlooking, you know, to the Patriots. And since that game, it has really come apart for the Steelers, which is why they're going to have to make a tough decision. Now, much different than the Saints, because I think Teddy Bridgewater – is this is his opportunity because remember he had other opportunities to go be a sure. starter somewhere call, else.
1: It's actually a good call. Don't... <laughs> it was break
0: a call. genius break call, break call for Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. Break but also there was some reports that Sean Payton said, Hey, if you stay here, you're going to, it's the succession plan, right? After drew Brees, you can take over this team. This might speed it up a little bit and this will be his opportunity to kind of establish himself as that next plan, regardless of what happens. If Drew Brees comes back in five or six weeks or seven or eight weeks or whatever, how long it takes, this could be Teddy Bridgewater's team. And he has had some success, unlike Mason Rudolph, who has not played much at all, was not a first-round pick like Teddy Bridgewater.
1: Yeah. Third-round pick. It's a little bit... There's a little bit more of a drop-off at that position. Um. First of all, I heard Rex Ryan absolutely go in on Teddy Bridgewater, talking about him like he wasn't even a, an NFL quarterback. Unequivocally, can't get it done. Like I it was absolutely, really? oh dude, absolutely absurd. Like I wanted to hop through the TV and grab him up. <laughs> um, but he didn't look great yesterday. No. And I want to ask you because I'm obviously I've never played the position. At, yep. <laughs> at any level. Um, how much of that has to do with not being the guy that week, and maybe? taking it for granted that you weren't going to play yesterday. Do you know what I mean? Which is, oh, yeah. in and the of itself part, is not look, being a great pro.
0: Look, but, I, I was mostly a backup
1: through most of my career.
0: Uh, It's the hardest job in the world because you don't get a lot of reps at practice. Yeah, You don't get a lot of work. You have to be mentally ready to go in there. And I'm not saying he wasn't mentally no, ready. I,
1: can th- I think I saw that. where You, you did. You, well, well, that's so- why I was asking you. It looked like he was like – taking for granted that Drew Brees was playing like he does every week. Right. And then it slapped him in the face and he was like, I'm not fully prepared for this.
0: Right. Now, for me personally, I always played pretty well coming off the bench. Yeah. Because, I don't know, it just happened so fast. I didn't have time to get nervous. I just started playing and just it kind of worked out that way for whatever reason. Now, I never had to fill in for a Hall of Famer. See, I think that might be the bigger picture, is that when you lose a guy like Drew Brees, it's not only uh, Teddy Bridgewater who's like, Oh, man, i got to go out there and do this. Everybody on the team is thinking, is this serious? Does this derail our season? Now we're going to be without Drew Brees. Like, What does this mean? It can be devastating from a mental perspective. You're on the road. You're playing against a really good team that you had this whole week and whole offseason of, man, we should have beat them in the NFC Championship game. We got hosed by a call. You know what that game meant about the revenge factor? Yeah. And then all of a sudden it's just taken away from you because Drew Brees is knocked out. I'm hoping that's the more likely scenario okay. there that it just... Because I've been on teams where, you know, when I was on the Broncos one time, we had a, a linebacker who goes down and he had a neck injury. Yeah. And it was really serious. He was hard. And, a, and guys throughout the rest of the game were trying to get updates. Hey, is he going to be okay? Was you, he walking? Yeah,
1: yeah, you've just lost all And boys.
0: it just... Yeah, it totally, like, mentally we were shot. Right. That's my probably more likely guess of what happened with the Saints. They were mentally shot, including Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah. You know, so now that they can kind of regroup, he can start fresh. Because I... I think he's good. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I, th- yeah. I liked him coming out of college. I thought he played really well for the Vikings when he was given that opportunity. Now, I don't know where he is after that leg injury, but I still think he's more than a capable backup, probably one of the best backups in the league. Got it. There's still going to be a pretty good drop-off, though, uh, due to that one, uh, for sure. Um, Can we talk about that call for a second? Which one?
1: The 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 Cam Jordan uh, fumble recovery. On- oh, yeah. The, the off- officials I mean, that- are brutal. Yeah. But how does that keep happening to you if you're the Saints? Like, how does that – do you know what I mean? Like, oh, I'm yeah. not saying that's all they lost the game, but how in the hell does that keep happening to you? No, and
0: Mike Pereira, who's the Fox NFL analyst, he is actually pretty harsh, and he was like, man, this does seem to always happen to the that's Saints. It's crazy. It's hard to explain. It's just uh. it's just kind of bad luck, but it was a critical moment in that game. Scoop and score it goes the other Changes way. Changes the whole – Changes the whole complexion yeah. of that game in that spot. It's, it's tough. I, I honestly don't have an <laughs> explanation. Crazy, it looks like – and I'm sure Saints fans are like, it's rigged, and they're trying – to screw us over uh, it's just you get snake bit sometimes right. and you know hopefully over the course of time it comes out in the wash yeah it probably doesn't make you feel much better <laughs> and that's see this is my thing about replay and review and all there was a bunch of pass interference calls that were reversed and antonio brown's touchdown with the dolphins they actually thought it was offensive pass interference yeah. and looked at it i thought by the nature of the rule strictly by the rule I thought he did he separated with and they arm. didn't call it. Right. But that's the whole problem with why I thought the pass interference thing was stupid. Yeah. Because it's still going to be subjective and you're never going to be able to get it right. Like it's, it's just, a, it's open a whole another can of worms. It's so one of the things that's been quiet this season, probably because the hype coming into this season was so kind of great. And the magnitude of what he did his a uh, first year starting was Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> he has not dropped at all. I will say this though. The first quarter, he wasn't that great, Mm -hmm. and I was thinking, oh, I wonder if Mahomes going to have a setback this season. What an idiot I was for even thinking that for 30 seconds as it was unfolding because in the second quarter, he absolutely went off, had four touchdowns, and all he does is continue to look like the best player in the NFL, which he is.
1: There's so much I want to say here. (laughs) No, because it's it's a really interesting thing. Number one, when you talk about him not looking good in, in the first quarter, the best players on the planet in every sport like have an ability to do that.
0: Oh, where you're just like, great? like
1: all of a sudden they've got 45 points in two quarters, and you know what I mean? Like nine rebounds, and they had seven at the half. You know, it's like that's they just turn it on, they flip a switch, and your everyday average like NFL player, as crazy as that sounds, can't do that. You know, and guys with that level and that ability uh, can do it. Secondly. The balls that he throws... <laughs> it's insane. It is really insane. It doesn't even look like he's trying. There are guys that play quarterback that throw that ball, and it looks like it's an effort. Now, they all can flick it, you know, and they put it pinpoint all the time. But in terms of, like, the mechanics, it looks like it's an effort to get the ball where it's got to go, and the arm is across the body textbook, and you're bringing the second foot through. This guy is, like, flicking the ball out there.
0: It just looks you like... You know what he looks like? It. And Do you remember the cartoon? There's, like, a rubbery guy that just... Like his it almost looks to me like he's so elastic. Like his arm, it is just like this rub this like and it just flips it out there. It just there flips it and it looks effortless and then it goes like 60 yards in the air on a line and perfect. There was a couple too where he drops in these rainbows.
1: Dude, I'm that telling you. They are just perfect. You're like timed. how do you throw the ball like at different trajectories like just they look, it's the prettiest thing you're I've throwing seen. the ball fifty yards on a rainbow. It's not yeah. even like you're driving the ball. You're just like flipping it out and it's like riding fifty yards like a frisbee.
0: It's he Patrick Mahomes is the most naturally gifted quarterback in the history of the game. As so, far as arm talent, innate ability to just make plays. It's unlike anybody. I've always said Dan Marino is the best pure passer of I the football. Gonna,
1: so you're stealing my thunder. It, I, but
0: he's like, he's Dan Marino on steroids.
1: I was going to ask you, like, how does he compare? Because I know you're a Dan guy. Yeah. But when you talk about pure, like, just uh, ability, it's oozing out of you. You make it look easy. Where does he stack up? And I know it's really early, no, but it's, has, it just looks different. He is
0: the most physically gifted quarterback as far as arm talent That's in crazy. the history of the game. And I, that is well, not an overreaction. That is just a sheer fact. Dan Marino had one of the quickest releases. Beautiful. Loved watching him yeah. throw. And Mahomes doesn't have a quick release necessarily, but he just finds a way. And you're talking about all those things. Launch trajectory, um, you know, velocity. He's got that. Because right. some guys have the strongest arm in the world. They can throw it through a wall. And Brett Favre is a good example. Like, he guys, absolute cannon. Now, Brett Favre was pretty talented, too. Sure. He could make some of those touch throws. But you're talking about maybe the strongest arm in the NFL combined with one of the better touch passers in the NFL, combined with one of the most accurate passers in the NFL, and also, by the way, he can improvise and throw it off kilter and even without even looking at the receiver. Like, what more do you want in a quarterback? It is the perfect combination of what you would want. And by the way, Tyree Kill being out, I don't know if you saw McCole Hardman, their draft pick, which was a genius move for the Chiefs to do that, and I knew they probably made that draft choice because of Tyreek Hill's Situation. issues off the field, yeah. then they end up losing Tyreek Hill to this injury. Spider-Man. Nicole Hardman, uh, Hardman, very similar. Mm-hmm. Can app a blazer out of Georgia, runs like a 4-3. Right. Andy Reid with Patrick Mahomes. Good luck trying to stop this offense. Good luck.
1: The last, the last part of the Kelsey equation too. with him, when you make, I, I don't know what the other guy's name was. There was another receiver who just popped off the page yesterday. It wasn't Watkins. It wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't Sammy Watkins. It wasn't Walk. Oh, Demarcus, DeMarcus Robinson. Robinson yeah. Right? Like I, I'm sure yeah, he's a, 172 I'm sure, yards. What we judge players, at least I do on the basketball court with, if you're a great, can you make everybody better on the court with you? Yeah. Right? Like that's the next part of being an all-time great, right? Is like whoever you put out there, they're going to look phenomenal because I'm that good. And I'm going to, you know what I mean? Like I'm going to help you be great. And I thought, you know, with that guy jumping off the page yesterday stat wise, it just supported what I, what I thought my eyes were seeing was like, this guy's, he's in a conversation what have
0: I always told you I've always said the where I like to evaluate quarterbacks is right after they've struggled yeah and you can't even tell like that is the best compliment you play is when you say you know what you can't even tell that guy had a buff quarter rough game right. whatever it is Patrick Mahomes just just same series every time he's going to go out there he's going to attack like he's going to score and usually he does my son
1: started him yesterday he didn't double down on <laughs> he didn't <laughs> all right I love it
0: All right. Welcome back to Canell and Bells. as we dive into college football. Uh, again, going into the weekend or like no ranked versus ranked opponents. Yeah. Probably going to be a sleepy weekend. There were some interesting games, a lot of uh, kind of last minute type of games. We'll get some of those. One of the coolest stories of the weekend, though, uh, was what Georgia did to honor, um, the wife of head coach Brett Anderson, uh, for the head coach of Arkansas State, Wendy Anderson who lost her battle with breast cancer about a month ago and coach Anderson left the squad took a leave of absence obviously to mourn and take care of his family. This was his first game back on the sidelines and so in Athens on the road for this yeah. team Georgia's fan base decided to wake make it a pink out to bring some awareness to breast cancer. They had the players or the fans obviously wearing remember Wendy. It was just really a cool uh, moment there to honor Blake Anderson's, uh former wife who has now passed away. But it was just... Super classy. That's what the best part about college that football... That is the best part. Like college football fans are crazy. They want to fire coaches and they want to, you know, they're, they're intense rivalries yeah. and they're throwing stuff and cursing each other out. But I will say, college football fans galvanize for meaningful causes better than any fan base baseball nfl nba they just do there's something about them they just galvanize for causes like this right the kid at tennessee who was Mm -hmm. bullied Mm -hmm. they had the ut shirts that went around they sold fifty thousand of them now tennessee is going to give the kid a scholarship if he wants to go there there's some really cool stories out of college football that was one of them that took place so shout out to georgia uh for doing that it was not the biggest week of the weekend uh biggest win of the weekend you know what was the most monumental win of the weekend what do we got, Joey? The first one for the Miami Hurricane. <laughs> oh, it's time to celebrate! Look at that, we got confetti. Wow! Congratulations. Deflection at Congratulations. its best. Congratulations to your Miami yeah, Hurricane. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate for getting that. Getting a monster win uh-huh.
1: over interstate rival yeah, Bethune Cookman, the mighty know. mighty Bethune. Yeah. But and you guys I- covered. No, oh, despite all the deflection <laughs> tactics. All right. No, we, are, we are sitting at one and two, just yes, like who else? Exactly. The same record <laughs>
0: as right. Florida State has. Uh, Florida State, unfortunately, was yeah. on the other side of the uh, win-loss column. Once again, finding themselves in a position, fourth quarter, with the lead, and they come up short again. Uh, Florida State fans are getting mad at me. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, uh, like, it's unbelievable. During the day... So I actually pulled open um Instagram during the day. And there was a Florida State official Florida State football Instagram account and it had do something, you know, like go get them and win tonight's game. Yeah. I was like, oh, let me just look at some of these comments. You know what it said? It's like, we have no chance. We should fire Tag. This is before the game kicks off. Yeah. We should fire Taggart. Our players suck. Uh, we're gonna lose. Like it was so negative. I actually I don't comment on a lot of Instagram things, but I commented on there. I was like, this is embarrassing right? that going into a game, you're expecting the worst. You're almost hoping for the sure. worst so that you, you as a fan can achieved, be right. Like your desired and result because right. you feel like Willie Taggart should be fired that you hope they blow another game. That just, it set me off and it's like, I've been pretty vocal uh against our fans and in support of Willie Taggart. And it's not so much, Hey, this is the wrong or the right hire, but it's still too early to make that decision. Now, uh, and it, it's, it's not easy to defend him in a lot of situations. There was some clock mismanagement issues towards the end of the game. There were a lot of dumb penalties, really dumb, boneheaded penalties in that game. Um, that do look at it and you're like, all right, what's the problem with this program right now? And the easiest person that the fan base is looking at is Willie Taggart. And yep. they're saying, we got to get out of there. I will say this. I still believe Willie Taggart can get this thing turned around. I still want to give him that opportunity to do that. And my question for every Florida State fan is, what good is it now to call for his head after three weeks? And you know, granted, we're sitting there. It's week three, week four. Maybe we're sitting there week five. Just, tr- just trust me. Just try to throw some positivity towards as a former player yeah. who has been booed by your own fans, uh, who has had some questions, some thr- shade thrown my way. It is no fun. And not only is it not fun. It's toxic and it becomes self-fulfilling and I feel like that's where the negativity is going now yeah it's becoming this self-fulfilling prophecy you're out there with all this negativity and the players are just they're brought down right like, why would you want that to happen if you're truly a Florida State fan
1: we have this conversation a lot on this show and I've always said it is never helpful for your home support staff your 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 home crowd to be booing you and showing no faith in what you can do it, it is a toxic environment. And it does start to creep in to your performance and into your subconscious, and and it does then sometimes become a self fulfilling you know prophecy. And so, I would I would support and I applaud the way you're treating that situation. You can be fair and and say that there are some things that need to be cleaned up, um, and that you know some of the onus of, of this is clearly on the coaching staff. And at the same time, understand what you were left to work with and how long it might take to get out of a situation like that, and give someone a fair shot to do that. Unfortunately, and I'll say it again. I believe the fate is already sealed. I don't support the fate being sealed. And but you know I why I it it's because Some already. of that
0: negativity crept in so soon. Yeah. Maybe it made it impossible. Mm-hmm. Here's a question I have for you. And I think this is an interesting discussion. Whose fault is it when penalties keep creeping in? Now, it's the players on the field. That's a tough one. Who are making the real... like Marvin Wilson, defense tackle, incredible player, had a great game. I actually was pretty pleased with the way both sides of the football executed. I yeah. thought they dominated the line of scrimmage. Um, so, Whose fault is it when Marvin Wilson defense tackle takes a you know quarterback and slams in the ground would have been a massive tackle for a loss and said its a 15yard penalty first down Virginia is that is that Willie Tiger's fault you know because it continues to happen and maybe there is some yes that's the coach's fault but you don't think he's told them to stop making foolish penalties
1: yeah I do and ultimately um you know I can't I can't stand up for Willie on this one because yeah I, you know my first thought is to be like you know these are damn near grown men out there, like they should be able to control their emotions and do what you know what they need to do, like they know better than that a A coach has to develop a culture that says that that's not who we are and i don't I don't know how to do that necessarily right but That's what has to be established so throughout your day to day work you know throughout whatever your obligation is. You are going to do it to the to the letter of the law, the best we can do it the cleanest way we can do it we 're not going to stand for any kind of variance from from the script because this is the way it must look. We want to be perfect like you have to de- you have to develop that so a kid knows and he 's been conditioned to know if I jack this up there 's a consequence right mm-hmm. like you condition someone so every time he tries to veer off of that path, you pull his behind back with a penalty with some kind of like i don 't know extra study halls whatever you're punishment is whatever it is you keep bringing a kid back to that straight path right and so when you see programs typically that have kids all off the path and they're getting penalties left and right i do think that is an organizational thing and i think it's on the coach um i was at a high school game the other night Um uh, i'm not gonna say any names bunch of penalties and i kept saying like you know, kids are kids, right? But ultimately, you're the coach. So if your team, if I go to all your games and these te- kids all have these penalties every game, and you keep shooting your foot with the penalties, like that's got to trickle down to the coach at some point. You have to establish a culture,
0: right? And that's where I think it's valid. I think yeah. that is because it has. It wasn't just Marvin Wilson one penalty. Right. They had like seven penalties, yeah, for eighty yards going in the fourth quarter. Here's another one I have for you, though. And this is where I don't even like using this example because I don't want to throw a player under the bus. But like, is it Willie Tigers' fault? Or Kendall Bryles fault, the offensive coordinator, because I thought they played a pretty good game offensively. And yet people are saying Kendall Bryles is just clueless. He doesn't know what he's doing. Whose fault is it when James Blackman misses a wide open to Marion Terry for a game winning, you know, game tying touchdown? And I'm telling you, he ran a double move on the outside. It, it was a layup. James Blackman airmails it by like 10 yards. And like, is that the coach's fault? Oh, that's that's a a 19
1: year old being a 19 year old. Exactly. It's a college kid missing out on a
0: play. So. And, but yet Willie Taggart, we gotta fire him. Like all of it, and it's, it's a culmination. Everything bad is happening. That's why I think it's this self-fulfilling. There's negativity. It's toxic. It's just becoming what the program is. Yeah. And now the players are starting to press. And that's maybe, maybe that's why James Blackman missed the pass because he's pressing so hard. He wants to win the game and he just airmails it in that
1: spot. Let me ask you a question. I, 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 this is interesting only because I am a huge Hurricane fan and not, not too long ago, it was two years ago, you know, we had crept back into the national conversation. Um, why is it that to some degree and our fans are crazy too? Like, uh Manny Diaz and them, despite starting one and two, Have been able to kind of control the fan base, and there's not this vitriol towards Manny Diaz. Like, and everybody's got this patience. Like, let him get it turned around. We got it. Was it? We were two years ago. We were in the conversation. Florida State's been further removed than that. So, I guess my question is, like, why can our fan base be patient and be saying, okay, they'll get it together? Like, and and Florida State's losing their ever-loving mind over. Well,
0: year one and year two. Like, I think that's why Manny Diaz is getting a pass yeah. somewhat so far. And you're playing better competition. Like, you lose to Florida. They play him pretty close. Okay, there's yeah. no love loss in that. North Carolina was an ugly loss. Yeah. But it was still, I think there's a Manny Diaz. This is his first season. Okay. That's it. Uh, um, you know, I, it's just in the narrative, just, man, it's shifted. There was some really nasty rumors. And I got into a shouting match with a caller on my radio show the other day. There's a nasty rumor going around Tallahassee that Willie Taggart was only hired because he was black. Mm -hmm. And it pisses me off because I think it makes us look bad when this rumor is going around. Um, Willie Taggart, we had to go hire him away from Oregon. Right, He was Florida State's number one choice. Right. And there it was the best option available. It had nothing to do with his color of his skin. Now I'm sure they liked it. Hey, yeah. it was the first coach and black coach in history, which is great. Right. But it was not just to because he was black. And that is going around. And there is some of that sentiment why he's not getting maybe yeah. a little bit more leeway. And that drives me nuts because I think it makes us look really bad. Scott Frost, like when I talked to the coach uh the, the people at Florida State who were making this decision, I said if you have a chance at Scott Frost, which I don't think you do, and they really didn't because he was going back to Nebraska right. the whole time, I was like, that would be my number one choice. If you can't get him, you guys should call Willie Taggart. And that was pretty much the prevailing sentiment by white and African-American people combined. Because Stan Wilcox was a black athletic director yeah. who, who hired Willie Taggart, and he's since left. I know, I'm just trying to make sure I've laid out the cards, right? Um, he leaves, and now everybody's just saying, oh, he, a black AD hired a black coach. But it's simply not the way it is, yeah, and it nice. drives me nuts. All right. Welcome back to Kennell and Bell. We led the show with it. Unknown what would happen to Drew Brees uh, with his thumb issue that he had. We have breaking news, though. Ian Rappaport has reported that Drew Brees has a torn ligament in his throwing thumb and he's going to require surgery. Sources tell him the time frame depends on the surgery, but it's likely six weeks. That's the initial estimate. The next step, according to Ian Rappaport, is for Drew Brees to decide who is going to do the surgery and what procedure he'll do. That could alter the time frame. But Teddy Bridgewater is the new starting quarterback for the New Orleans Saints. So devastating news to the New Orleans Saints, who really were pegging this season as, and there had to have been a sense of urgency around this club, realizing Drew Brees is getting up there. He's 40 years old uh the window is closing rapidly we were so close last year got to the nfc championship game got it taken away from us because of a non-call this year's our year so they go back in this revenge game not only do they lose that game which they had circled all offseason but now they lose their franchise quarterback future hall of famer drew Brees. and i i still feel like this six-week window is probably a little bit optimistic
1: it's a lot optimistic um so those are really interesting injuries. Like you, you've been there. You, you see him on the sideline. You know, even like if it's a half hour after the injury happens and he's still on the sideline, there's still adrenaline coursing. So when he's trying to grab that ball and he can't pick it up, that's best case scenario. Because at night, after that plane ride back the next morning, that thing is going to be on fire. Right? So, I mean, because I when I tore up my wrist, Danny, the next morning I thought I lost my hand. Like I was like, what the heck is going on in my hand? At that point... I got to go see the – I need to know what my options are, right? So then you get to that point. Mine was cut and dry. There's one surgery or you don't have the surgery. When you hear the wording, he has to opt what type of procedure he's got to have, there's uncertainty around that. The nature of the statement is uncertain, right? Like you could – Elect to have one that maybe cost you six weeks. If you need to have it reconfit, like restructured and you know, there's screws in there and you got to hold it down with something else, you don't know how long he'll be out. Best case scenario, six weeks for Drew Brees. And then the question becomes, how quickly can you guys close ranks, realize that this is a different animal that you're working with? Still, maybe same goal, mm-hmm. but it's going to be a different path to get there and players and coaches have to come up with a new game plan because you can't do it the way you thought you were going to do it now. Right? You can't. You have to figure out what the new roadmap is to the desired destination.
0: Uh, I think one of the – if you're looking for a silver lining in this is the fact that you do have Teddy Bridgewater as your backup, an established guy who started meaningful games in the NFL, Mm -hmm. and I know he didn't play great yesterday coming off the bench, but I'm telling you, in that spot – That team and the game that meant that much to them, when you lose Drew Brees, it is a major gut check, and it knocks the wind out of you, and I don't think the team recovered from it during the game, Teddy Bridgewater included. I guarantee you it's one of those things where – what do NFL coaches say all the time? We hate distractions, distractions, distractions. Sure. That was one massive distraction. Players on the sideline probably looking over and watching Drew Brees trying to throw it, saying, oh my gosh, what just happened? Did we just lose him? How long do you think he's going to be out? Is he out this game? It, all that conversation on both sides of the ball. It affects the defense because they're looking. For your
1: for your um, non-professional like athlete mm-hmm. that's sitting there at home, to hear you say... Um, looking over at Drew, like seeing if he can throw the ball. They don't even understand that that in and of itself is a distraction. Right. Not even the fact that, oh my God, he can't throw it. The fact that you're taking time out of whatever is going on to look over there to see if Drew is okay already at 80% of your mental capacity, because 20% is given up to like the, <laughs> looking at Drew Brees. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Like oh, for sure. That final line, my hope for them, and you said a silver lining, they're playing the NFC South, mm-hmm. right? Um, Tampa Bay sitting at one and one. Their only victories against the O and two Panthers who are also in the division. And the Falcons, you know, who knows what they are right now. So right. you, if it's six weeks, may, you know, Teddy keeps it afloat. Now, Teddy, I need I need you to look better. Like, so I need you to get those reps with the ones, dial into the game plan. Um, if they have hopes, he's gonna have to look better than he did yesterday. But I will second your silver lining with that. They're right. in the NFC South. Maybe they stay afloat.
0: So Teddy Bridgewater's not gonna have any sort of like Grace period, especially with the way the schedule unfolds. He's got to go play in one of the toughest environments to play in Seattle. Then they're playing against the best team in the NFC right now, the Dallas Cowboys. Granted, they get them mm. at home. Tampa, you get a breather. I think yeah. that's a very winnable game. Jacksonville is a little bit of a mess so far at this point. Then you go on the road to Chicago, uh, where it's, again, one of the best defenses in the league. And then you got a home game against the Arizona Cardinals. You should win that game. Sitting at 1-1, one one, if you could... If you could get them four and two, which I do think is realistic, if you're Teddy Bridgewater, you're fine. Yeah. Like it's not that big a deal. Now, again, it goes to how long is this injury? I think the one thing that has helped, and you mentioned it, their division, which we thought was going to be one of the toughest in the NFL. And I know Atlanta got the win last night against the Eagles. They didn't exactly look like world beaters, but Carolina is a disaster all of a sudden. They're head, wait, what are we going to do with Cam Newton? What does our future hold? That's the one saving grace besides Teddy Bridgewater being there is that the schedule is manageable and it's sort of like the Patriots. And it's kind of funny because they're in a position similar with an older quarterback. All you want is a seat at the table in the playoffs. Sure. Like you just don't want a missed opportunity where the season is a wash. And this is why they signed Teddy Bridgewater and gave him a really nice contract as a backup quarterback. And it's also why Teddy Bridgewater didn't go to Miami or anywhere else where he might've had an opportunity to, was this is the succession plan? This is the guy who's supposed to take over the franchise once Drew Brees, and when who knows when it was going to happen. But when Drew Brees is done, this is Sean Payton saying to Teddy Bridgewater, hey, this was gonna be your team. So they have a lot of confidence in him. And the other good thing, Michael Thomas is still there. Yeah. Alvin Kamara is still there. Ted Ginn is still there. You know, they still have some weapons to work with. They're going to have to utilize him. This will put a lot more stress on everybody else to give
1: Teddy Bridgewater some more help. Let me ask. Let me let me ask you a question. Hypothetics. scenario. Yeah. All right. Let's say Teddy Bridgewater is exactly what they thought he he would be, and he is the succession plan for Drew Brees. Let's say um, Drew Brees it takes him longer than the six weeks, right? And you've got Teddy Bridgewater sitting at like I don't know eleven and four, or like ten and three. Um and Drew Brees is ready to come back, what do you do?
0: Right. That's your best case scenario. No, it's it's a great problem to have. And I'm almost sure that Drew Brees, maybe Joey can search this real. I think he did a two year deal and this is the second year of his deal. Yeah. Um, so like contractually, because yeah, he's a free agent after this season. Right. And I think Drew Brees is the type of guy too. Well, this is the bigger question. I think he's probably looking at hey I'm he's, he's got to be aware of his age. Now I know they've all said Tom Brady and Drew Brees want to play till they're 45. Yeah, that's great in philosophy, but in reality, mm-hmm. sometimes your body tells you when it's time to, to hang it up. That becomes a, a conversation where not only is it a tough decision for the Saints, I think it's a really tough decision for Drew Brees. Yeah. And I'm sure he feels like coming into the season, I got a chance and he was, he looked great with that, you know, crazy comeback in the other night against the Texans. Sure. But at some point he's got to start looking at his own career and saying, man, and injuries put things at a whole nother light. All of a sudden, you start looking at yourself. You realize you're human. You're realizing, hey, I can't play this game forever. But that, to you, like, obviously, there's no best-case scenario when you're talking about Drew Brees and his injury, you know, potentially ending his career this way. But if Teddy Bridgewater goes out there and balls out, I think it gives him a lot more certainty about that plan. But I still think if he plays great, you're still bringing back Drew Brees. You're bringing him back. Yeah, if he's healthy. But, again, a a quarterback – who has made his career on accuracy and throwing the football into tight windows, Your thought and throwing the football is such, you know, it's, there's such, it's such a fine line between being accurate and not. If yeah. You're talking a couple inches I mean, here or there. And it's a lot of it's with your throwing okay. hand. This is not his non throwing hand. This
1: is what he makes his living with. It can have a
0: major impact on his play.
1: I'll show you again. This is the thumb not repaired. That's the thumb not repaired. Okay. Like where it just goes all the way behind your hand. Um, I've also had a, like the, the wrist reconstructed. Now it's not a thumb, but you're casted and you're immobilized. The, the atrophy that takes place in that hand happens really, really fast. Right. Yeah. And so then when you come back and you start doing your manual therapy to get that strength back, like when you're talking about you're maybe six weeks out, there's no telling what that hand looks like when it comes out of the cast. Like mine came out and it wasn't anywhere near where they thought it would be. So then mine wound up being like a four-month, five-month, I still wasn't playing basketball when they had projected more like three months, you know? Right. So you never really know how fluid a thing that is with Drew when he comes out of a cast. And to your point, if that's the playoffs and you rely on accuracy um, and you've got that situation if you're the Saints, that's one where, you know, you've got to be real as a player. Like, Drew has to be real and sit back and say, what well, can I, like, realistically, am I better than Teddy at this point? Like, right. And I got to do he's, what's um, best He's going to imagine he's better. I know, you know but to, that's a hard conversation. Yep. You know, seriously, yeah. am I better, mine, am I better than Gordon Hayward right now? Right. Am I? He, Gordon Hayward was my rook, right? And I, I'm sitting there and I'm like, probably not. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. when push comes to shove, probably not. That kid's better than me. Like, that's a hard realization to come to, especially when you're Drew Brees and you didn't see that coming. I saw it coming. Right. Like, you know, they drafted him. Like they had sat me for a while, then they played me for a while. When you're rolling out there thinking you're winning a Super Bowl and boom, you hurt your thumb, like that's that's tough.
0: Well another really tough discussion and you have a lot of have a lot you have to have a lot of trust with the doctors that you're dealing with. Right. Is Drew Brees saw his hand specialist. He's trying to determine the course of action that he wants to take. You know, you want to get back as fast as you can, but there's going to be some risk if you come back yeah. earlier or Like, and this is where Drew Brees, how long does he want to play? They can say, we can get you back for next season. You know, like, and that's a really tough, or you're going to miss eight weeks or 10 weeks, but you're going to be fine moving forward as opposed to maybe you can be back in six weeks, a little bit more risk there, and it might affect you long-term. Like, it's just, I can't only imagine the discussions that are taking place right now between Drew Brees, the doctors, and Sean Payton, and the Saints organization trying to make this decision of the course of action, which is going to impact Drew Brees' career, potentially Drew Brees career, in the Saints' season, Saints'
1: opportunity to win championships. That's yep. those are much t- much tougher conversations in the middle of a championship, at least in your estimation, a championship window. Yeah, you know
0: I mean? yeah, it's going to definitely be tough for that one. We'll keep you updated on that one, and uh, of course, keep it right here, at CBS Sports HQ. We'll keep you up to date on that, the breaking news of that at the top of the hour. Ben Roethlisberger, if there's anything to break out of Pittsburgh, make sure you stay tuned to CBS Sports HQ. All right, welcome back to Canal and Bell. So the breaking news out of the NFL is Drew Brees is going to have require surgery on his uh, thumb. That is a ligament uh, issue there. Make sure you stay tuned to CBS Sports HQ. Uh, Jamie Eisenberg is going to join me at the top of the hour to break down the fantasy implications for sure. I'll be over there as well. Continue to break down that discussion. Tonight, there is Monday Night Football and what is an absolute, no matter what, without question, a must win game for your Cleveland Browns. Hi, Cleveland That Browns. is your Cleveland Browns. So they're playing against the New York Jets. Get this. Yeah. Sam Darnold, gone. Mono, right? Quinn Williams, best defensive lineman, gone. CJ Mosley, linebacker, gone. Le'Veon Bell, not gone, but banged up. Yeah. Playing against a backup quarterback. The Browns, with all this talent, they cannot lose this game. I agree. Cannot.
1: I agree. Not, I mean, not just. With all this talent, Danny, but like you have come out and all off season bought in to the hype, right? Like as the Browns, like you you welcomed the type of hype that you're getting, and when you you have every right to do that. But when you do that, you like I said, you're talking the talk. You must now walk the walk. And so, whether that team was banged up or not, this was a must win type of game for the Browns. And I, again, pressure is an interesting thing. You you would think that subtractions like that from one lineup. Would alleviate the pressure from the Browns. Sometimes it's just the opposite of that because now you're looking at it like, damn, we have, we have to win that game, right? Like, right. gotta win that game. So, you know, again, and I, I sound like a broken record. The only way to not get caught up in that is to compartmentalize. Just do your job. Yep. One, one, like, like baby steps, dude. One step after the other. I don't approach number two until I've taken care of number one and number three doesn't get dealt with until one and two are dealt with. When you start looking down the road at the end game,
0: you I'm telling you, this game, up, bro. This game getting... is so interesting to yeah. me. Uh, the line is at six and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, everything tells you the Browns are going to win this game, right? And they're going to win convincing. They're going to win running away with it. I all hope the they do. the money's still on there. All I... the money's coming in on the Browns to cover. With all my heart, I feel like the right play is the Jets, and yet I don't know if I'll have the guts to do it because right. everything tells you the Browns are going to win sure. this game. I think Trevor Simeon will be adequate, although there's some really – bad stats about how bad he's been yeah. as far as accuracy. um, Like pr- it, over the last five seasons, quarterbacks with 700 attempts, there's like 25 quarterbacks and 24th in completion run is this Trevor Simeon. Mm. And like Brock Osweiler is the only one below him. Right, right, right. It right. is bad. Like, But he's been in some tough spots. I think he's a pretty good game manager. To me, my initial reaction was, well, when Sam Darnold was out, I was like, oh, they're going to give Le'Veon the bell 50 times. Right. They're just going to have to ride on ride him, which I still think they'll do. But he's just had an MRI on his shoulder. The one thing I do wonder is Le'Veon Bell came for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh Steelers, Mike Tomlin, we talked about them at the beginning of the show. I think he was pretty – he was a player-friendly coach. I think if guys didn't want to practice and they said, hey, I got a sore shoulder. Yeah. He'd be like, all right, sit it out. I think the Jets and Adam Gase were like, oh, you have a sore shoulder? prove it right we're go, no i'm serious like different organizations have I different know. things you know i, know. I, do I think know. that's why there was such a big deal i don't i think Le'Veon might have just been like hey i had a heavy workload i don't want to go out and practice today yeah, and they were like chill. well you got to go get an mri i think he's probably fine right and the mri came out that he was fine i think that's the likelihood of the way that happened i still think you're gonna see a heavy dose of Le'Veon bell i'm telling you i might just let, sack up and put it
1: on the jets because i think that's the right guy. play but the browns better get this sometimes done. a wounded animal is the most dangerous animal exactly just, they got nothing to lose got nothing to they're lose. supposed oh, to lose yeah. everybody's counting them out <laughs> the
0: browns are like you know the browns have been a little bit arrogant about this so, hey yeah we're not worried about it we, they should be they, right. sh- they better prepared and you can't just show up with urgency they better prepare it all week with a lot of urgency because the minute they don't um they're gonna get picked off but we'll right. break down that game tomorrow when we get back breaking news nfl drew Brees injury six weeks or more we'll get you updated on that and what does it, it have fantasy implications jamie eisenberg's gonna be up on the set on cbs uh, sports hq i'll be up there in just a few minutes plus big ben all your nfl breaking news injury related uh throughout the day on, uh, throughout the day on cbs sports hq that's it for canel and bell see you tomorrow